Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show comes to you live from Radio Row, the heart of Los Angeles, California, in the convention center. If you're not from Los Angeles, the convention center used to be Skid Row. Used to be tough place. And then, I don't know, 25 years ago or so, they started to clean it up. They built what was then Staples, what's now the Crypto Arena. They built LA Live, and they started reinvigorating downtown, and it is an unbelievable place, and the convention center is all brand new and redone and really special and spacious, and we got a great show for you planned, uh, not just uh, last hour, this hour, uh, and um, coming up this, later on this hour, Barry Sanders is going to join us in 15 minutes. The great Oklahoma State running back, the all the greatest running back of all time. Then Icky Woods will join us later on in the hour. Um, Eric Dickerson, you'll hear from. He'll jo- stop by next hour. So will uh, Akbar Bajamilia join us. Akbar Bajamilia. Yes. Sorry, Akbar. I've known Akbar a long time since he was a football player at San Diego State. Of course, KGB was his brother. That was way easier because there is no AJB, AJB right, or AGB. KGB was a, that's a cool nickname. Why can't Akbar be had started his name with a K? Then it would have been he would have been KGB as well. Anyway, um, here's what I wanted, I, we obviously wanted to talk football and some of the things going on football wise. But this Trevor Bauer story is fascinating. Okay. Let me give you the uh, Reader's Digest version of it. Trevor Bauer was, uh, he's always been a guy who, super opinionated, can't rub some people the wrong way. Remember, we'll go back to the Cleveland days, and didn't he have a, um, a drone camera, a drone, uh, he had a drone that he cut his finger on, and he missed some time, and then he tried to pitch in the playoffs. And he remember, his finger was dripping blood because he reopened some sutures or whatever. And it's one of those, like, it could happen to anybody. It just happened to happen to Trevor Bauer. So he's a kind of unique fellow. A tremendous pitcher. Tremendous. And as a free agent, signed with the L.A. Dodgers, a two-plus-one-year deal going back to last offseason. Uh, everything was going well. Until there were accusations by a former um, romantic partner of sorts that he had actually punched her, right? Punched her. And there's photos and they're really graphic and really hard to take. If you just listen to Isaac Lohenkron's update, there will be no criminal charges because, among other things, there are some text messages and other things that... The woman apparently wanted some form of rough activity, right? Everybody know what I'm talking. We're, we're all good here. On the st- I just did I miss any details of the story, Dan Byer? My my. No, screen. I think okay. that's good. All right, we're good. I think we can go to next step. Correct. So th- he's not going to be criminally charged. Will there be civil? I don't know, 
but with no criminal charges even being pressed, right? I'm not saying he was not guilty, which, remember, not guilty does not mean innocent. It just means you're not guilty. It's not going to trial. It's not even that. He's not going to be charged. Very important distinction. Not even charged. But no one is arguing that he didn't strike this woman. What he's saying is, look, this is what she was into. And she's saying, I didn't want to be punched or knocked out. And they're like, she had a black eye. So there's, it's pretty gra- a pretty graphic story. But now you get down to, will he ever pitch in baseball again? Will he pitch for the Dodgers again? Because remember, what you're saying is, look, he has been ch- not even charged with any sort of crime. But this is like, who is who among us is capable of striking a woman? Even if a woman says, hit me, you don't hit a woman. So it's a really hard one. If you're the Dodgers, do you part ways with a guy simply because you feel like it's the right thing to do? In the back of your mind thinking, what, so some other franchise can pay him to pitch for him? You know? And it, it's, not, it's not been charged with a crime. Right? Like this is the and I've said this about the, the Jameis Winston thing, just to be completely fair, like Jameis Winston was never charged with a crime. Jameis Winston, they've there's been three different times in which there has been an investigation, none of which and even the Title Nine, that's one of the three, the Title Nine accusations and the bar that you need to cross over in order to be charged with a Title Nine violation is not particularly high in terms of burden of proof. So as much as people want to say that Jameis Winston did something, there have been no charge. There is no there there is no criminal charges. So again, in the world of innocent till proven guilty, Jameis Winston is absolutely positively 100% innocent of whatever he was accused of because there were no charges ever brought. And anytime it's been investigation, he has not been found guilty of anything. That said. Do you think Trevor Bauer pitches again? Would you be okay with him pitching for the Dodgers? I'll start with this. Yes, I think he should pitch again. Yes, I think he should pitch for the Dodgers. Because the last because I do believe that in our system of justice, you are innocent until proven guilty. And though I would never strike Holman. I I can tell you that I'm also not privy to whatever type of activity those two were into. And I do believe that there are times in which things can start as, it's just like when you're messing around with your brother, right? It starts instantly enough and then, hey, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get hurt and somebody does get hurt. I, I understand it's, we're talking about a different level and, and men man and women and you're old enough to make appropriate decisions and all that stuff. I do believe he should. I don't know if he will. I was led to believe earlier in the year that there's no chance he pitches for the Dodgers again. There's no chance he pitches in Major League Baseball again, even if found innocent because he's admitted to punching a woman multiple times. It's a really weird place to be in. Let me start with uh, you, Dan Byer. What do you think? Yeah, I think that he will end up playing again. I think it'll be uh, with the Dodgers. His contract, I think, a lot. Would, would have that situation pop up. I also don't think that the Dodgers would be. It's a tough acquisition, uh, despite how good of a pitcher he is, um, if you were to ship him out. So I think he does pitch again. I think he pitches for the Dodgers. Um, 
after his contract expires, if he chooses to opt out in 2022 or 2023, uh, this may be a, a thing of the past. But for right now, yes, I believe that uh, he pitches again. Jason Stewart. Um, as soon as his team like took the tact where they needed to defend the uh, – I guess plaintiff in, in this matter, or what, what? Whenever they took the tack that he had to admit to doing these things, I said in, in, to friends and everybody else that I could tell he's never going to pitch for the Dodgers again. Once you take that tact and it's public record, I don't think the Dodgers and what they represent and their brand and their new ownership. I don't think that you can pitch for the Dodgers again. I don't know contractually how, how you – I don't know if you trade this. I don't know how you get out of it. But I think he'll pitch again. Somebody will, will want him. I just don't think the, actual, the Dodgers will have him pitching for them next year because the accusations were one thing. The second he started admitting to doing these things, I said, I think that's the last time we've seen him in a Dodger uniform. So that's kind of my gut at this point. Hmm. Uh, Ramos, I'm going to put a headset on. John Ramos has got – is he have the day off or is he on the clock? Oh, he's no, he's on the clock. very much working. No, he's on We're the paying clock. Him. We're paying him. So okay. Yeah. On the All right. Uh, John Ramos of the John Ramos Show on the Doug Gottlieb Show. <laughs> on the, way, Sports Radio. the great part about it is we are all kind of like behind the set. John put his uh, is in front with his back <laughs> to everyone. You can well, turn your mic off and walk around if you want. Oh, there yeah. you go. I'm not, around. I'm not used to any of this stuff. What so are you that's talking why. about? Ramos. <laughs> what do you mean you're not used to this stuff? You're around this stuff your entire professional life. That's true, but not on this stage. Okay. So I want to ask you, John, because uh, you're a gigantic Dodger fan. I am. You're also a husband and a father of, of, a, of a little girl. I have two little girls as well. Um, and that's, you know, again, these are, and it's one of those things like, what do I tell my, you have a conversation with them. You know, you have, you have to have conversation with your kids, but it's still hard to, wait, how do I, dad, am I supposed to cheer for this guy who punched a woman and admitted to punching a woman? What, what are you? If, I, I don't. Trevor I don't know. Bauer, do you want him to pitch for your Dodgers ever again? I would say no. I don't know what was said earlier here because I was sitting over in the corner, but uh, I would say no. In timeout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a dunce baby, cap on my no, head. Nobody puts baby in the corner. John, yeah. a little different. Uh, no, I would say no. I think I believe like his team wasn't happy with him and nobody like stood up for him or something like that. Like they weren't excited that he would be on the team. So I think if the Dodgers aren't excited by it, then as a fan, I wouldn't be excited by it. So. He had his chance. I, if he's proven not guilty, which I think well, he not has. Well, they're not even coming to charges. Yeah, so, so I mean, you know. Here, here's the, I, I will point this out. And I know that, look, Trevor Bauer is a, a different fella, right? And so I do think that some of that is real in terms of teammates not being totally in. He also hadn't been part of the team for a long time. Like, yeah. it had been a very. But let, we, if we're honest, if we're honest, that thing was toxic. Nobody can come out and go, hey, Trevor's my guy. Right. You just you get crucified if during early on the investigation, when you're asked about it, you go like, yeah, Charles, my guy. Great, dude. Great, dude. Like you just couldn't do it. So I want to I would I would caution people. Well, this guy said this to the media. They athletes say lots of things to the media, knowing that they'll just curry favor. You know, so that's the it's more to me how you feel if you want him pitching for your team at Chavez Ravine. Well, I would say I would say I would if everything was cleared and everything was okay, but it would be a very fine very fine line. I mean, you know, I I don't know. It's hard to say cuz I think there are people that would look at you and be like, "How can you stand up for something like that?" And then you're only thinking about sports. You're only thinking about winning and that's and I don't know. It's, well, it's I, hard. I, again, my my point is 
that, again, I know it's graphic. It's not something I would do. Sure. But if he's not being charged with a crime, like, what are we doing? We're, right. doing, double, we're I, doing double jeopardy for a guy who, it doesn't mean he didn't do anything wrong, but he didn't do anything doing criminally wrong. I don't know. This is where I think that his personality that rubbed people the wrong way even prior to him coming to the Dodgers and throughout his career in Major League Baseball weighs in on this. Because it was a personality that was difficult to warm up to for some people. So now, this prior to all of this coming out, so now you have this other thing happening, and I think it gives people an excuse to continue to not like him and to uh, want to do away with him. I think that his past does play into how we look at him. Hmm. Stu? I just think that I had I'd almost forgotten about this this part, and John made a good point. The second this went down, the Dodgers immediately turned their back on him. Um, so as far but as you like, have to, no, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, you know, re- obviously removing jerseys and whatnot. But it was, it was. I thought at the time it was kind of an overreaction, and then as the details come out, you're like, this is why they did it. I think those things are just hard to like rebound from, and then have him pitching every fifth day for your team. I, 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 I see him pitching somewhere. I just don't see him pitching here. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I I understand and I, I agree, and I was I was in that thought, but then I'm like. Well, why can he pitch for another team and not pitch for the Dodgers? That one I doesn't. I'm not sure. How much do you think them not making it to the World Series plays into? Well, it's funny you bring that up. Had the Dodgers not won the World Series two years ago, I think he definitely would pitch for the Dodgers. But because they won it, I'm not sure that they feel like they need to perver- sell their proverbial soul, right? It's like when we sell our soul for the World Series, like, well, we just won a World Series a couple years ago. What do you guys think? Yeah, a little bit of a leeway there, I believe, to, to kind of like cut you, ties. What? Uh, uh, no. no, say what? No, the leeway from Dodger fans who want a title every single year yes. two years ago is a distant memory. The two guys that I'm looking at right now Agreed. who were losing their S during this season. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so. well, why, why can we not hit? Why we just we <laughs> suck as hitters? We're just the worst. The worst. Like, dude, you've been in the play. Like, do you know, like, we're the Angels to have two best players in baseball and can't win bubkiss. true. You understand what it, it's actually like? That's a great point. Yes, they won a World Series, but okay, do you think Dodger fans, if he wins a World Series, if, if I could say, yeah, yeah, you, you have Trevor Bauer back, but he's, but he's going to win you a World Series, would they change their mind? I really don't. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think the organization would do it, period. Check out the latest lines on World of Sports at BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21. President Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. The greatest running back of all time. Barry Sanders is next. But first, quality sleep is more important than ever as we balance life and health in 2022. It's essential for boosting energy, recovery, and your well-being. How do you resolve to achieve Quality sleep, you get almost 100 hours more proven quality sleep per year. Sleepers who routinely use their Sleep Number 360 smart bed features get almost 100 hours more proven quality sleep. Um, what, what would you do with all the energy you'd have with 100 more hours of proven quality sleep? You'd spend more quality time with family. 
you'd have more time for self-care. You'd volunteer your time, maybe for a meaningful charity. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep, which starts with sleep number adjustability. It's time for Sleep Number's ultimate sleep number event. Save 50% on Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart beds, plus special financing for limited time only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash Doug. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments require. See sleepnumber.com slash Doug for details. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Um, I believe that there's like five guys in the history of the NFL that if you say their name, no one would argue that they're the best ever at what they did. Right. Jerry Rice, the greatest wide receiver of all time. Please don't start arguing with me. It's not really worth it. Right. Just is. Okay. Um, Ryan Lott was the greatest safety of all time. Not really. Deion Sanders was the best cover corner of all of all time. Right. Uh, Lawrence Taylor was the best, uh, would you, I guess, rush end outside linebacker like of all time. And then Barry Sanders is the greatest running back of all time. Now, now look, I understand Walter <laughs> Payton had more yards, but that's because Barry We'll ask him why he shut it down before he would have passed his mark. But he was in like an untackleable player. It was really remarkable. He's kind enough to spend some time with us here. Um, what is that like to carry the respect to walk into any room and you're synonymous with the best at what you've you've done for your football career? No, it's, it's awesome, man. And I just had to say, be, be careful what you say about Walter Payton, man. I mean, come on now. Oh, he's great. Be careful what you say about no, Walter. No, listen, I mean, Walter Payton was amazing. And there's, I mean, there, there's, you know, there's, there's two or three other guys that, you know, I mean, Emmett was great and Walter Payton was great, but I don't know. I mean, and look, I think Marshall Falk changed the position forever. You know, the ability to catch it out of the backfield, the combo, yeah, the, absolutely. the combo, yeah. But yeah, in absolutely. terms of just yeah. hand the ball, I appreciate the, that, hand man. the guy the ball it. and. Go make a play for us. There ain't any, ever been anybody as good as, as as what you did. What people don't Doug, know. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, for for me, I I just took so much great pride um, in playing the position. Um, you know, you talk about Walter. I was that little kid watching, studying Walter Payton, studying uh, Terry Metcalf, or Greg Pruitt, or Tony Dorsett, or Marcus Allen, or a list of uh, you know other guys. Um, it was no bigger honor um, for me in the lineup at seven yards deep as a running back. Um, it was just such a, a big thrill and pleasure for me. And I put all my work and effort into it, um, you know, and just trying to stay healthy and and really um, sharpen my skills and talent. Um, you know, I was I was that kid at, you know, in, in middle school jogging through my neighborhood, you know, not, you know, I didn't know where it was going to lead to, but I just knew I wanted to get in shape for football. And sometimes I barely saw the field, um, but I love being a part of a team. I love suiting up and playing football at no matter what level. So, so yeah, it, it was, you know, so, yeah, that's the kind of mentality I took with me onto the NFL field, that they, it was just such great pride and the privilege to play against the best players, um, you know. And I'm, I'm jealous of you, by the way, because, you know, my first love is basketball, you know, so you being a college basketball player, I, I just have to say I'm, I'm a little jealous sitting here. All football players, and you went to the we'll Oklahoma State. You went to Oklahoma State before <laughs> I did, but all football players want to be basketball players, right? And so most basketball players want to be, they don't want to be football players. They want to be like rappers and performers and singers and whatever, right? Everybody wants to be something else. Yeah. Actually, most people 
thought I'd say that. I just thought I'd mention that. No, and, but, uh... and, and, and I was going to say, all football <laughs> players should show up at the Colvin Center, right, in the spring and want to hoop with the, with the basketball players. And you guys were all super athletic. Dribble like you're dribbling with your elbows because it's a, a different, you know, different stick and ball sport, but all crazy, crazy no, athletic. I thought I was a little different, though, than most football players. We don't have to get into, like, my scouting report as a basketball player, you know, so but I'm just saying, you know, I'm a little jealous of you. All right, here, that's, you know, I'm, so I'm I, a little want, more than a little bit. Say that. People, yeah. don't know, people don't know you were only a starter at Oklahoma <laughs> State for one year, right? Right, correct. Because, correct. Hey, but you were an All American kick returner as a freshman. As a sophomore, excuse me, as a sophomore, sophomore. and you're like, who could possibly start ahead of Barry Sanders? Like they had a guy named Thurman Thomas in the same (laughs) backfield. That was insane, insane. No, it was, it was, and it was a treat for me because I I met Thurman on my recruiting trip. He doesn't remember it, but I remember just talking to him, you know, um, because the gentleman that showed me around was his sweet mate or whatever. So he took me to talk to Thurman. Um, you know, and at, at that year, he um, I think he had some Heisman Trophy votes or whatever. That would have been his sophomore year, I believe, um, and had a big year. And I was just a high school freshman and then coming in and being able to, you know, just see how he approached the game every day because we knew that, OK, yeah, this guy's headed to the league, um, you know. And and so uh, so I learned a lot from him. Um, he was such a complete player and he he just really seemed more mature, so much more mature than the rest of us, <laughs> um, you know, and, and uh, which, which he was. And so, uh, and so, yeah, so as a, as a young running back um, football player, it was great just being around him every day. What, what how, th- this is my question I've always had for you. I don't know if I've ever truly asked it, is how were you able to see ahead of the play, right? Like when we watch the, the films of you, it wasn't just that you'd make people miss. It was like you knew where all these guys are coming from, and you knew where the the open area. How do you? How did you do? How? What, where does that vision come from? I, I feel like that's what I saw a lot of other really good running backs do. I, I feel like I saw Marcus Allen set guys up. Right. I remember his his senior year at USC running for two thousand yards. Um, even even the guys before him, right? Charles White. Right before him, Anthony Davis. Tailback you before him, but, um, but they used to run student you know, body right and student body did. left. A I'm lot just of times saying, get the but ball. not Marcus Allen though. Mar- well, they did that, but Marcus Allen, he he was more poetic in his in his running, sure. right? And he set guys up. Yeah. Um, and you, I'm, I'm just talking about running backs in general. Um, just growing up watching that, and I felt like good running backs did that. You know, they they, they set guys up. They were looking, you know, two and three guys, uh, defenders down the field. Like, you know? like you're coming up on a guy, and I mean, I can't imagine being somebody trying to tackle you, right? Or they're, they're coming and they're diving at your feet. Do you even – I'll just give you the basketball perspective is I never worried about the guy who was in front of me. Right, that guy, he was right. not taking the ball from me, mm-hmm. okay? And you, when you're trying to see a basketball floor, but for me it was more passing, right? You just you know where the windows are. You see a guy open. You kind of know where the, it's a feel thing. Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm. don't pay attention to the guy in front of you. The difference is in football, if you don't pay attention to the guy in front of you or the immediate guy, he's going to hit you and tackle him. Right? <laughs> it's, it's a problem. So I like, was it, I mean, again, did, when, were you, was he just, I'll deal with the next problem. That I'm worried about this guy, then set that guy up to the next guy. You know, all these runs we see, there's multiple guys falling down, like almost Keystone Cops things. And I'm just wondering, like, what goes through your mind during those plays? I I think for me, it was that awareness of several defensive guys right there. Right. It was it was that awareness. I mean, I I knew that I wasn't an Earl Campbell type player. I I wasn't just going to get the ball and run through anybody. 
or you know and so it it was setting those guys up it was that awareness of you know yeah the safety of the linebacker the corner whatever whatever the case may be and just being able to, to react to it um and i think I, I think that's really what it is you know that awareness to react um and it really anticipation yes you know as well you know and so i think all those can things be can taught? be added that's a that's a tough question because again I I've been enamored and fascinated with running the football since I sat down as a youngster with my dad and watched football in running in running backs in particular so I don't I don't know if it can can be taught um, you know uh, and so uh, but you know I, I feel like it was always the way that I played the game and it's certainly something that I watched guys like Terry Metcalf yeah you know little squirrely guy or guys like Joe Washington yeah. you know um, I know I'm going back a few years no, but, I, I, but I you know little squirrely guys yes. you know who were spinning and cutting back um, and twisting and, and um, you know they weren't they weren't they weren't running over well, anybody I think you know, so. uh, Brian's song who am I thinking um, Gil Sayers Gil Sayers, Gil Sayers. yeah Gil, absolutely, Gil, absolutely. Gil, I, I definitely stole a lot of Gil Sayers stuff so so so, okay, you, you watch Stafford, and he basically experienced kind of your life as a Detroit Lion for so long. And now he's having success, and he's playing in the – do you – is there any part of you that's like, man, that should have been me. I should I wish I would have gone. Am I jealous? You're asking me, am I jealous? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you say you're jealous of me, which I don't know why you would be jealous of me, right? We, but of, of Matt Stafford getting out of Detroit and getting a shot at a team that is all invested in winning – Right, as opposed to what you went through it, and it wasn't that they weren't trying. Wayne Fonts had you guys; you made made some playoff runs, whatever. But it was different. Right. It's different than Detroit and what the Rams are doing. Is there any part of you that's that's jealous of of, of Stafford? What, what what I say is, I'm happy. I'm thrilled for him. I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, in, in this situation, such a great situation for him. I, I don't know if I can compare it. I, I don't necessarily want to say. You know LeBron going to Miami, yeah, right. But they this this roster is is um, so stacked, and and it's such a great situation for him. And it's funny because, you know, watching him all those years in Detroit, um, you know, really hitting his head up against the wall, going up against Green Bay, right. I mean, Aaron Rodgers he owns he owns that division, yes, right. He owns it, um, you know, and we can never really get past them. And you know, we had enough battles with. Kirk Cousins in Minnesota and, and even the Bears. Um, but to see, and so the reason I bring that up is because there was always that conversation of, okay, is Matt Stafford, is he more of an Aaron Rodgers or is he more of a Kirk Cousins or who is he? You know, I, and I think this year he's shown who he is. He's, he's shown who he is. Um, you know, you put him in a great situation. The guy has thrived. And so I'm happy for him. Um, you know, it, it's uh, you look at that roster um, and what they've been able to do, but obviously he's been able to bring all that together. Uh, you retired, and you were about a season and a half away from breaking Walter Payton's all-time rushing mark, right? And I remember, I remember when you retired, I felt bad for you just because I felt like you needed to get the credit that you deserved. And sometimes setting that record, even though it might not have mattered to you, to everybody else, it it. It, it seemed it seems sometimes to matter in how we view you historically. Um, when you shut it down, was there moments in which you thought I did it too soon? Because you had all your faculties, right? It wasn't they didn't carry you off your last <laughs> last game, right? Your your leg didn't fall off. Like you you were healthy. You were. I'm I'm just I'm good. What was that like in terms of how how long it took before you really said I'm done, done, and I'm happy I did it. Well. It- 
it was a really tough thing to walk away from and to make that decision at, at that time. Um, I knew that just in my mind and in my heart that I was done with the game, but I still I still loved it, but just not enough to continue to be a player on a daily basis. And how long did it take? I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm still um, maybe I'm still getting over it, Doug. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because, because I know because, I had. And, I still, and tell me if I'm wrong, but you were ahead. Like Tom Brady has this whole TB method, but for people who didn't, you ate right. Right. You took care of yourself. You were ahead of in terms of nutrition and things ahead of the curve in terms of how much you dedicated to yourself, to your craft while you're playing. Is that fair? That is fair. Yes, absolutely. That is fair. Um, and that's something I learned just as I became an older player um, that, yeah, you definitely have to take care of your body, especially me being a runner. Yes. You know, I, I realized that, you know, you can go in there and lift all the weights and do all these things. But for me, I needed to be elusive fast and be able to run for a long time um and and uh to do that just you know i just couldn't i just i, I couldn't have just any habits so so, so uh, what you're so. saying is you you're still not totally over it right <laughs> no i mean but to answer your question how long did it take i you know i mean i, I will always miss football Right, I, and it was you know I, I realized that i'm never going to find something like being in the nfl you know and i guess that's the way that i look at it and you know maybe um, kind of deal with it, um, and I had you know so many fantastic memories, amazing memories um, that I've been able to take with me, and so I, I think for me, you know, that's kind of the medicine, the thing that allows me to 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 really be able to go on, and and, and I realized that hey, look, man, I mean, this was a very unique, special time. Um, you know, I gave it my all for for those ten years. And after that, I was done, and I really, I really don't have any regrets as far as that. But yeah. I still love the game, and and it's it's great to think back on those those uh, things that I could do at the age of twenty five, um, <laughs> you know. And and so, uh, but yeah, so I, I I can't I can't complain about that. Okay, how about this one? Um, Barry Sanders joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. When when you were in the league, you, we mentioned Walter Payton. The, the running your team was synonymous with your running back. The running back was the franchise player, right? Roger Craig in San Francisco, and Eric Dickerson, and then Jerome Bettis was was with the Rams, and whoever your Marcus you mentioned Marcus Allen, and then Bo Jackson. Your team was it was more the running back was the team than now the quarterback is the team, and a good portion of the reason why running backs you. People aren't getting the big or the, your question that second contract is the beating they've taken. They've changed all the rules for wide receivers, for quarterbacks, okay, but none of them for running backs. And that the running backs' careers continue to feel like they're getting shorter and shorter in terms of the window of how much they can be elite. You were a former running back. You were able to survive for a decade in the NFL without, without, getting, without getting seriously hurt. If you were in charge or somebody said, Barry, what can we do so that we can elongate some of these windows of the top running back's careers? Can you think of anything? I, I don't know that I, I can think of something that could extend the careers of the running backs. I, I do think that there's still some really good running backs in the game um, that are difference makers on offense that are the most um, – that are the most dominant offensive players, you know, like Derrick Henry, like Jonathan oh, Taylor. Can you imagine um, tackling Derrick? You know, Henry? and and so, you know, there aren't there aren't many of those guys, and certainly, um, and certainly those are a couple of the guys that you can give the ball to twenty twenty five times a game, um, where a lot of other guys, you know, you're seeing two and three um, running backs share their running responsibility. Running back by committee, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, running back by committee. Um, you're seeing m- much more of that, but there are still those guys. Um, 
you know, that are a big part of what their offense to do. Joe Mixon, uh, you know, who's playing in the Super Bowl, um, you know, he's a big part of, you know, he's a Pro Bowl running back this year. Um, you know Zeke Elliott. He's he's still around. I mean he's not he's not. But, but again, like offense, like a Zeke so. Elliott. Here's a guy who's kind of fading, and he's not yet, yet 30 years old. There's there's there anything we can do before we let before we let you go. Uh, Rocket Mortgage and Super Bowl Squares. What is it? Absolutely. Well, it, it's Rocket Mortgage once again just giving fans a chance to win a lot of cash during the big game. And so, what happens is every score change, um, Rocket Mortgage is going to give fifty thousand dollars to a fan. Um, there's going to be two grand prizes of half a million dollars, which Rocket Mortgage will give away at halftime at the end of the game. Um, you can go to rocketmortgagesquares.com to find out more about it. Uh, the entry window closes this Friday at midnight, uh, February 11th. It's free to play. So all the fans out there um, watching the game, you know, may, maybe get signed up and, you know, invite a friend. They'll give you maybe some additional squares if you do that. So, again, rocketmortgagesquares.com is where fans can find out more about it. It's an honor. It's a pleasure. It's great to catch up. I'd love to do it again in the future. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be here, man. I enjoyed it. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it, Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hustler Turf, the brand lawn care professionals have trusted for years when it comes to premium zero-turn lawnmowers to run their business. As for us weekend Joes, Hustler Turf has the full lineup of residential mowers. Visit HustlerTurf.com for a deal near you. That's HustlerTurf.com. Let's get to what the Fox said. And now. <laughs> what does the Fox say? LeVar Arrington and Brady Quinn, two, two uh, pros. And they also have a cup of Joe, that's Jonas Knox, had this exchange about the Brian Flores statement about the hiring of Lovey Smith. Are you downplaying what your whole representation of your legal case is? Are you downplaying that with another minority hire, with another person that's a minority? How does that work? That seems ass backwards. Call me crazy. But that sounds ass-backwards that you're saying, I was better than this other minority coach that just was hired. I want to say congratulations. You're, you're, you're progressing you know, or giving other black coaches an opportunity, other minority coaches an opportunity. But if I wasn't in this lawsuit, they would have hired me over you, another black man. Yeah. Okay, I, I mean, is that is that the interpretation here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the the this is this is how it comes off to me is they're almost taking credit for the fact that Lovey Smith was hired because without the lawsuit, it would have been Josh McCown, which which look John McClain put out there, and so I'll, I'll just say this: even if they're right, even if the motivation behind hiring Lovey Smith was the lawsuit kind of pushed them to go in a different direction. You, you can't. You got stop taking credit for it. This is the statement that they're talking about. 
This is from Brian Flores' attorney. Mr. Flores is happy to hear the Texans have hired black head coach Levy Smith as Mr. Flores' goal in bringing the case is to provide real opportunities for black and minority coaches to be considered for coaching in executive positions within the NFL. However, we would be remiss if not to mention that Mr. Flores was one of three finalists for the Texans' head coaching position. After a great interview and mutual interest, it is obvious the only reason Mr. Flores was not selected was his decision to stand up against racial inequality across the NFL. Um, you look, I think it sounds like it's the, uh, there's a word that starts with a D. I don't know if the FCC approves of it, so I'm not going to say it. Okay. It's not polite and in company. He's not necessarily wrong that he didn't get the job because of the lawsuit, but you don't say it. You don't say it. Right. You know, she would have married me, but, you know, at the time, I was still married. Oh, but I hope you guys have a great life together, you know, whatever. What are you doing? Do you want to come across as the most unlikable human being on earth? And, and look, I, I, I get it. Like, I, I can't hire Brian Flores. Like, I got to hire a black coach. Here's Lovey Smith. Has a good resume. Likeable dude. Been with the organization. Coached our defense. Go for it. Again, I told you this. He's toxic. Now, the reason he didn't get the job is not because he's suing because of racial injustice. It's because he's suing the NFL. Right? You can sue the NFL for anything, but it made you unhirable. And this makes you unlikable. That's what it does. The only statement you need to make, again, this is, this is where Brian Flores doesn't get it. Didn't get it when he got fired in Miami. And, all, and I, I hear people all the time go like, well, he's a great coach. No one's saying, but the coaching is only a portion of being a head coach. You're like, that doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. You have to manage up and manage down. He couldn't manage up. He couldn't. I, again, the facts are different than the feelings. They just are. And here's the facts. The general manager in Miami, the assistant general manager, the director of player personnel, they are all black men. Okay? They are. They are, they, are, they are all black men. And they wanted him gone. That's what happened. It was an us or him. And the owner is like, I'm going to side with these guys. And when I said he needed to be more contrite, it's the, and anyone who's ever lost a job or lost an opportunity, at some point you got to go, you know, sometimes it actually is me. It's me. It's the way I handle my... I may have been misperceived. He may have been misperceived. It's totally reasonable to go like, you know, I just... I, I, I probably came across a little brash, a little harsh. It was my first job. I'd only been in New England. I only watched Bill Belichick and how he handled things. Because his story of the disconnect with non-patriot people is the same story we saw in Detroit. It's the same story we've seen with Charlie Weiss. It's the same story we saw with Eric Mangini. It's like you go through all the Patriots assistants. It's all the same thing. And he's like the only one going like, nah, wasn't me, it was them. I thought it would have worked in Houston. And then when he started suing, I told you, he, you can't hire a guy who's telling you the whole league is racist. And yeah, it probably did force their hand and make them hire a black head coach. But you know what you don't do? You don't like pee on somebody's parade, dude. What are you doing? God, that's just not cool at all. Not cool at all. Plus, it's like Lovey Smith. People like Lovey Smith. Seems like an um, easy-to-like human being. All right, coming up next, Hall of Famer Eric Dickerson joins me. 
We'll ask him what it would have been like for him to play in this Rams organization. Next.